Esther podcast is designed for Christian women who God has called to a career. Our goal is to identify the modern Esther in all women and to leave you feeling empowered with the mission to glorify God in your vocation. here this week and we are so happy to have you guys joining us. Um, this week is a little bittersweet because we're actually <laughs> we're wrapping up Esther, our namesake. Um, yeah. And so this, we hope that this is a really good bye, bye, conclusion. We hope that this is a good conclusion to Esther. Um, we actually have been praying about this and we weren't sure exactly how we wanted to carry this one out, but we um, we really wanted to talk about some of the themes in Esther that um, just kind of a little bit of a recap, some of the themes that we saw in her life and then how they apply in our own lives. Um, and one of the first things that we noticed, you know, in Esther and kind of how um, the Jews got victory in the end was the common theme that we hear a lot as Christians, um, who can be against us if God is actually for us? And so not only in Esther, but in obviously other places in the Bible, um, we see that, we see it through God's word. But one of my most favorite verses um, is Psalm 118, and it's verses 5 through 7, and it says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is within me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies." I just felt like that was really powerful, mm-hmm. um, and it really it aligned very well with the the uh, ending in Esther. And so we definitely see that theme in her story and um, in the stories of all the people in her life. And and you have you know you have Esther who she was an orphan and she was made into a queen. Um, she was what we feel like kind of living outside of God's will and. Um, she wasn't living a life necessarily that exemplified or glorified God, but then she was turned into a faithful and humble servant of God. Um, and through her prayers and the obedience that she showed, she actually went from this meek woman to um, a very bold woman who ended up saving God's chosen people. Yeah. And um, and so, of course, there's Esther, the Jewish people, Mordecai, Xerxes, And so you can do, like, you can kind of, and we challenge you guys to kind of go back and see if you see how the odds are against all of them and then how God was for them. And uh, we just continued, we just chose to do Esther, the Jewish people, and Mordecai. And so for the Jewish people, they were obviously targeted, a targeted group of people and and have been, right, throughout history. Yet God continues to show uh, triumph through them. And, um, and definitely did in this passage and how he did provide a decree through Mordecai and Esther to give them a, a day of protection and in order to uh, succeed in that. And then Mordecai, we see this fascinating man who used to be one of my favorite characters and now I'm still just unsure about him. I don't yeah. know. I think I need to reread it again fully. <laughs> um, but you see a very proud individual, a very proud Jewish individual who uh, felt like he had a right to a lot of things that he probably didn't have a right to in a foreign land. And then you see him extremely humbled when his own race is targeted. 
fall before God, you know, because we don't really know how his faith was, but we know that he wasn't really acting and as a faithful Jewish man to put his uh, cousin up for this beauty pageant, right? So then you see him, you know, kind of fall um, when Haman's coming after him and then exalted again um, after, you know, he's humbled and he's exalted before God. And and, and you kind of see this transformation and um, providence, the providence of God, of course, we talked about that in the first um, in the first episode that we were doing with Esther, how that's seen throughout the entire book, how God has a plan and how he's fulfilling it. And it's sometimes hard for us as mere humans to see. But like, um, I mean, you know, kind of adhered to in the verse Romans 8, 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as this? Who can be against you if God is for you? Um, that is where that, that verse comes from, Romans 8, 31. And, and when we talk about that, like, we're going to talk about this verse um, a little bit, too, in a second. But it's hard because a lot is against us. <laughs> and so kind of, you know, our first point being, you know, what do you do when the odds are against you, even though God is for you? Um, Amy, what do you, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. So hard. Um, well, first off, that is like a daily, <laughs> I have to remind myself daily that, you know, the world may be against me. Everything may be against me, but God is for me. Um, for me right now, um, I just feel like time is like my biggest issue because, um, you know, I work and I go to school and I have a husband and I'm just trying to balance all of those things and like make sure that I'm productive in all of those things. Um, and, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but you know, when I'm at work, I feel guilty because I'm not working on school things. And when I'm at school, I feel guilty because I'm not doing work things. And then when I'm not with my husband, I feel like guilty because I should be with my husband or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, um, but the reality is that like I put too much on my plate probably, but I think that it, if it were my own abilities, then I wouldn't be able to get mm-hmm. all of it done. But the good news and the great thing is that even when time or anything else is against me, that God's, you know, for me and, um, and he just has this really cool way of working it out. You know, he helps me to be more productive during the time that I do have, Um, he gives me the strength that I need to persist even when I'm completely exhausted. Um, and he just, he sees his plan through because ultimately it's his abilities and not my own that, that are getting me through that, that issue. But, um, I've talked to Danielle about this a lot lately, you know, I'm really struggling and, and you look on like, you know, you look on my social media or whatever, and you're going to see pictures of me happy. But the reality is that it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's a balance. Everything entirely other episode. <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Well, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you think like, okay, you got it together. Well, the reality is that I don't always have it together, but the good news is that God does have it together. And like, he really provides in those situations. Yeah. So um, so I have to remind myself that daily that, you know, <laughs> I get, whatever I come up against yeah. today, like God is good and he's going to take care of me even when the odds really don't. Even yeah. when there's only 24 hours It is crazy the amount <laughs> of energy that you can get from, like when you don't think that you have enough. Like sometimes when I'll talk to like, I think the best example of this is um, like new mothers. Oh, Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're like, how, how are you doing? And they're like, I didn't think I, you know, I thought I was exhausted before. Uh-huh. And then God yeah. just like gives you this whole new energy. For so, sure. um, so that's good yeah. to see like, 
him provide. But I mean, yeah. for those of you who don't understand Amy's schedule, literally she has, <laughs> but a couple of hours in the week, maybe for herself, she really is so working true. full. I mean, you are, you're working. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I know it's like timing for you is hard, but, um, but I mean, I think God is like really providing. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. like, you know, when God, when it's something he wants you to do, then he will carry it out. And, and that's the thing is like, you talk about new mothers and like, maybe you're a mom who doesn't have support from a spouse, or maybe you're, mm-hmm. maybe you're working long hours at your career trying to get ahead because you have so much to overcome or whatever it is. But, um, if that's the, if that's your struggle, like I get it and, and God will provide enough. Yeah. Um, the second point that we, well, we just thought that we got from this entire booklet is when God is for you, right? Who can be against you? But then when God is for you, you will get his best Mm -hmm. and his best is so much more than you can possibly imagine. So in Esther, um, well, Amy, you can talk about a little bit about this. Yeah. So I just feel like in Esther, um, we feel like, and we prayed about that, you know, like, they didn't just succeed. They got more than what they had even hoped for. So I put myself, I tried to imagine this time period, you know, and, um, so there's this decree that says all the Jews are going to basically be annihilated. And so what would the response be? What would the Jews want? If they could have anything they wanted, what would it be? And, and I would think it would be, well, just revoke that decree and, and nobody gets hurt and everything's fine. But what actually happened is because the decree couldn't be revoked because it had already been signed by King Xerxes, um, God, or, you know, through God and and King Xerxes issued another decree that said they can defend themselves. So through that mechanism of them being able to defend themselves, they were able to actually gain some control back that they had lost through being this oppressed group of individuals. Um, and so they became actually like a more powerful group of people. And we even see um, in Esther chapter 8, verse 17, that other nationalities actually converted to Judaism because they were fearful of um, the the annihilation that the Jews were actually going to have on them if they didn't convert. And I mean, that's maybe not the best way right. to get converts. Fear is never like- <laughs> yeah, it's not like the best way to get that to happen. But nonetheless, people still came to maybe know God through that. And like eventually maybe that fear was removed. I don't mm-hmm. know that. But, um, but the Jews went from this position of, you know, this oppressed group of people to actually getting authority back. So they got more than really what they could have even wanted. They just wanted to live, you know, and they ended up becoming powerful because of it a little bit, you know, more than what they were. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Esther and Mordecai were definitely exalted to a place of even greater mm-hmm. privilege and power. I think they, you know, yeah. I mean, he was con- the king. You can kind of see that in the end constantly, you know, what more do you want? As mm-hmm. Mordecai was exalted even further. So that definitely was going to give the Jews more authority in yeah. a, a foreign land. So I, I would, I'd agree with that. And the fact that, um, their hearts were definitely changed in that process. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I love about that Romans verse, because it says, so the beginning of it, I'll read it again. It says in 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things? Who can be into if God is for you? But then 32, and I didn't realize this until we actually started doing this study because I always stopped at 31. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, no one, like, I mean, everyone can be against me, but God's got me. So it's right. not, but 32 is amazing. It says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? And that just is, it It kind of humbles you a little bit. It's it's not a pride thing when you go out and you're like, God is for me. It's a humbling thing because 
he's literally, he's not just giving us his best at this point. He's get, God has literally given us everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he had one son and he, and he gave it to us. So what, what else would he not give us? I mean, it talks about this in Matthew, you know, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. Well, I, do I not give you, do I not love you more than them? So it's just, it's, it's interesting to kind of see this repeated, you know, the same, same theme from all the way to the Psalms verse that Amy quoted to, to this Romans theme to Matthew that yeah. Jesus's own words are saying like that this, this undying love of God is, he is always wanting the best for people. Yeah. He is always wanting the best for his children. Um, we see this in examples in scripture. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were compiling just kind of a list of people in scripture, which it's all over God's word, but you know, some of the most common examples that we're really familiar with is, you know, you have Sarah, um, Abraham's wife, and Sarah wanted a baby and wanted a baby and prayed for that baby. And then not only did God fulfill that by giving her Isaac, but Isaac was kind of one of a kind. He was a very mm-hmm. faithful man to God. And um, then, of course, generations that, you know, God's people came from that line of de- uh, descendants. So, um, Sarah got more, he got, she got the best, you know, she didn't mm-hmm. just get fulfilled with having another woman's son as her son. She's she got her own son. Um, and then we see it in Ruth's story. Um, Ruth's husband had passed away. She was a widow and she was probably lonely and needed a provider at, the, at that time period. She needed someone in her life. And not only did God give her a mother-in-law, Naomi, who was, um, kind and loving and, and, adored her really, but he also provided Boaz for her who genuinely adored her and loved her even in her, one of the most sorrowful things I can imagine going through, losing your spouse. So. Yeah. And I love both of those women because they did have men that just truly love them. But I always look to Leah too because Leah didn't like, you know, Leah was married to Jacob and Jacob had two wives, one of them being Rachel and Jacob, you know, quick backstory, had to work seven more years to get, you know, Rachel and um, and he always loved Rachel more and that, and Leah felt that. And you kind of see this inner dialogue of Leah in scripture. And she just wanted Jacob's love because she loved him. But finally she just was done. She was like, I just want like God's love, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was actually the mother of Judah who was the line of Jesus. And so I just felt like God blessed her. Like you may not be loved by your husband, but you're loved by me. And your, you know, and your descendant, like your descendant will be, you will be related to my son. And I just thought that was really special. Another one of my favorites who is um, a male is Joshua. I love him because he's very faithful and he was a warrior. And so I don't, I think he's always known for just walking around Jericho and then all of them falling, all of them falling. But he was actually, he fought a lot after that. That was a... Uh, we'll talk about this later, probably aha moments, you know, where you just get it, you get what you pray for very fast. But he also had really intense prayers where um, he had lots of struggle and war. And one of the biggest ones was in Joshua 10. And he was praying for just the sun and moon to stop so he could just win against the Amorites and just fight a little bit longer for God and his name. And God granted that. And you know, the fact that God, that's the only time that God ever let the sun and moon stop. And just kind of compiling all of these, it doesn't mean that the best is going to be without pain. It just means that it's going to be with God. And some of these people experience some of God's greatest miracles. And you can continue that with Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. 
but it's they also experience the world's greatest pain, you know, and that goes all the way to Revelation with John being exiled to an island, you know, uh, John the disciple being exiled to an island. So, but yet he's witnessing all of the future, you know, huge miracle. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's interesting. So what I've come to experience as one of the world's greatest um, pains is it can sometimes be loneliness. And I think, um, I just came back from a wedding and so maybe I'm, I'm a little romantic and I've heard a couple of, um, you know, single friends, you know, here of lately. So I feel like this is kind of on my heart, but I think that loneliness can be a killer of joy. And, and when joy is gone, I think hope can dissipate. Um, but one of the, one of the verses I love so much is it's actually in Exodus 14, 14. So this is right before, um, Moses, uh, right before the crossing of the Red Sea, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And sometimes, you know, we're just waiting constantly, you know, for God and his best. And we want to make our best because we're just ready to get it going. Um, But we just need to like, we need need to wait for that. Um, One of the best examples in my life, kind of compiling our first point of the odds being against us and then just waiting for that God's best is my love story. Um, I started praying really intensely for my husband when I was about 12 years old. And so I was really weird about dating. I had like all these very interesting dating roles. I, a lot of my friends were like, this is way too intense. Um, and and it it wasn't really like too high of standards. It was just like, if I knew that I wasn't going to marry you in two months, two or three months, I'd probably end it. Um, or God would end it. Like it just, you know, it just, yeah, it would just be done. (laughs) Um, but what I began to found, what, what, you know, what I found when I started getting, um, in my kind of mid twenties or early twenties, like when everyone kind of started really getting married, I was like, Oh, I guess I really need to start being serious about like dating people. I felt kind of odd because I just wasn't the typical dater, but I also felt odd because I was pursuing my PhD at the time. And I didn't feel like the guys that I was around, they are great guys, but I didn't feel like a lot of them that I was with understood my faith um I think they respected it but they didn't understand like my personal relationship and why it was so important and that didn't mean that they didn't try but then I would go to church and I think a lot of women can relate to this like what it didn't matter it doesn't have to be in science but it can be in like um law school pharmacy school dental school what you know whatever you're in med school um but you go you know then you kind of go back to church and you kind of see you don't really fit the mold there. And we kind of talked about this in our very first episode being Proverbs 31. You just kind of feel like a little bit out. I think you said it right before when we were kind of compiling all this. You kind of said it's like a group. What did you say? It's kind of like a group that, I don't know, you had said something. It, it was just like it's, it's it's becoming like it's the these single ladies who are pursuing a career oh, yeah, yeah. are... Well, it's just like you don't. Well, and I mean, it's kind of the theme of this, but there's just no place. Like, there's where, no place. Yeah. where are you in your life? And trying to find friends that are at that same place in your life, trying to find a significant other that's also on board with that. Yes. Yeah. It's just a tough, it's kind of this weird place that we're yeah. in. So. Yeah. And it's just like this forgotten kind of, yeah, yeah this for forgotten sure. kind of group. Yeah. But, um, but there's a lot of you guys out there like that. And, um, and I think that, you know, at one point in our lives, both of us were there and, and partly still are, but that, you know, when you go to, you go to church, there's just like nobody there that understood that, um, that passion that you had for what God called you in your career. 
And so it just got to that point where it was exhausting going to weddings. And I love <laughs> weddings. I do. I just, I, I get so romanced by them. But I think that I love seeing everybody celebrate. But I think it just got harder every single dress I put on. I mean, it was to the point, and I promise you I'm not exaggerating. It was like 13 a year. You know, I think <laughs> the average is up to 60 something. I think, and I stopped counting, you know, so it's like 60 from 22. So I'm 30 now. So you, you know, you guys can do the math. Um, and that's the last couple of years have slowed down. So that's, yeah. So it, it just gets harder. So I, I get that. And, um, and I finally was just like done. I was just like, I'm just gonna be single. I'm good with this. And then I just felt like God said, well, what do you want? You know, what, what is your perfect idea? And this was very different. This is very important because this wasn't like a list that I'd made when I was 14, because that's what they told us to do in high school. And I just made 72 things. So this wasn't that list. This was different than that, where I was telling God what I want to know. This was God saying, what do you want? And so I just didn't give him a list. I told him everything from how I thought a perfect meeting would be. Mm-hmm. how it could be like, oh, I'd just be walking and we accidentally bumped into each other and played the whole story of our life out to God. Just sat there and it was a good 30 minutes until like how we would pass away drinking sweet tea on our front porch in the country. And and I just felt like God said like at the end of that, he was just like, I'm going to give you so much more. And what I didn't realize was that all along the way, you know, from age 12 to 28, I had prayed these these prayers for my husband. And I didn't write them down. I'm not that big of a journaler. You know, I tried to be. I heard it was great. But I just, <laughs> I'm not that big of a journaler. So I had tried, you know, I tried to write some of them down, but I just, you know, I would pray some of them over and over again. I remember, you know, hearing from God at one time he would have, um, soft eyes and a kind heart. I remember praying. I fell in love with orchids. It's a romance thing that God and I have. But I said, you know, I remember God. I remember saying, like, I know God. He'll be the one if He brings me a white orchid. Um, so something like very sentimental with me that all women do. Like all women, you know, will be like, I know this will be the guy if He does this. <laughs> um, to something crazy, being like, oh man, He has to have a smile that just makes me just want to kiss Him all the time. <laughs> something stupid to. Um, he has to love um, Cameron, my nephew bro. Um, he has to love golf. And stuff like that that truly don't matter. You know, I mean, the Cameron thing did, but, like, the golf thing didn't. And I think it's, like, all those kinds of little things that, as I started meeting Derek, were easy to forget. But I just slowly started to see them all fulfilled. And as soon as they got fulfilled, God was like, remember that you prayed that. And it started to unfold this like romantic love story. It wasn't like a Broadway play. I mean, nothing dramatic happened, you know, even though I did fall into like that <laughs> pond on our first date at Jacobson Park or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that was great. But it was, it was, it was simple. It was easy. It was elegant. And it was, and it was like our love story, but it, the more that I was like falling in love with Derek, I was falling more in love with God. And I remember the day that Derek bought me the orchid. I was coming home, and this is the craziest thing I remember because that was the last thing, and I was like, God, that's the only prayer that I actually remember. <laughs> and I remember I was coming home from, from work, and I was like, man, like, where's the orchid? And there, and he got, he got it that night, and, he, and Derek had no idea about the orchid. And I just started bawling, and, and I go, you know this isn't from you, right? Like, you know this is from God. 
And I think it was like that. Like I fell more in love with God by falling in love with Derek. And I saw a side, this romantic side of God. So when God said to me, like, I'm going to give you so much more, like it wasn't even so much more in Derek. It was like so much more of him because of Derek. And like, you know, being married to him, and I've gotten to see that and like growing in my faith with God over the years, I've gotten to experience that in different ways outside of my love life and romance life, but work life and um, education and family and little of these other little miracles. Um, and so like, even if you don't see his best now, you know, this comes to our third point, like wait, you know, wait, because he already has one, and he already knows what's coming. Second uh, Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. I love that verse. <laughs> I really do, because timing is, it's so, it's everything. And honestly, like even through the story of Esther, we look back and we try to make this timeline and see like how many years between this and how many years between that. And the thing is, is that the the buildup or the victory in the Esther story is that God's chosen people were saved, and they were saved at the exact right time that God wanted them to be mm-hmm. saved. Um, and they were saved exactly when and how and through the right people that he wanted them to be saved by. And God's version of timing is different than ours. And yeah. we, I mean, you hear that a lot. You hear it in the context of Genesis. You hear it in the context of our own lives. But timing is just... Um, so perfect by God. And it's hard sometimes in the abstract to like realize that, but it's, it's true. It is true. Um, there is a song that I absolutely love. It's by Natalie Grant and it's entitled in the end. And I like it because it kind of puts everything in perspective because, you know, cause even if things aren't going well now, um, we have a God that's already won. Right. So here's some, I, I really encourage you guys, if you haven't listened to the song, if we had copyright, it, you know, or rights to this song, I would play it right now, but we can't. So I'm just going to read some of the lyrics. It says, uh, can't catch a break. If you've had your fill of old cliches, life is hard and God is good. But even though it's true, it won't stop what you're going through. I wish that I could say it would. That he's outside of what you feel. It might not make sense, but one day it will. There's coming a day that the sun will always shine. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. Hold on, my brother. Things are going to get better. You're going to smile again because we win in the end. And it really reminded Amy and I of Revelation yeah. uh, 21. 21, tw- 4. Revelation 21, 4. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen to that. (laughs) Amen. And I just think, like, I mean, in this world, like, you're going to have pain. You're going to have troubles, and you're going to have a life full of drama. That's That's just the world. I mean, that's the promise in John 16, 33. But I think it's so easy to forget with God, you're also going to live a life where God is for you. You're going to live a life full of small or big miracles along the way. It's just your choice if you're going to pay attention to them. And your life will be an outpouring of God's best if you want it. For he's already given you his everything and will continue to fight for you until the end. So don't lose hope. 
We have a God who conquers all, who surpasses everything you can imagine in this life and the next. We have a God who wins. God, I thank you so much for um, giving us everything, giving us your best and giving us um, friendships and family and love and careers. But I just thank you for giving us your son and for that faith that we know that um, whatever falls apart from now until then, at least we have then. And um, we get eternity with you and we get a room in your house where there's no pain and there's no heartbreak and there is no um, illness and there's no strife. God, we just thank you so much for that promise and we thank you so much for the hope that you've given us. We just ask that we just hold on to that in times that are really hard and we ask that we just be able to learn from Esther and women like her to just know when to speak but also know when to hold our tongue and also know when to just witness all of your blessings along the way. Thank you so much for everything you've given us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you guys again for joining us. Um, again, this is this is it for Esther. We hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, I know that we learned a whole lot along the way that we had no idea we were going to be learning. So. Um, we're so excited to have you all with us, and um, we're not quite sure exactly what direction we're going on. Oh, for um, the girls. But we do know kind of next week. So next week's Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So right. we'll probably be doing something on strong mothers. Yeah. Okay. So to <laughs> be determined. To be determined Just on a that little de- uh, snippet for you. Yeah, or in two weeks, it's <laughs> yeah, Mother's Day. Weeks. Yes. So we'll be, we'll be doing something like that. But yes, yes on... On the next series, we're between a couple of um, ones. So if you guys have suggestions, please. We're actually thinking about doing breakout sessions more. We got a couple of other ideas about that. So again, continue to send in ideas or text one of us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye.